Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is season six, so sit back and enjoy. Listen to some stories of the weird, of the odd, of the strange and unusual some ghost stories, some cryptid stories, some just strange stuff. Again, welcome to Season 6. Enjoy! Hello, my Mysterians. It's time for another Terry's Mysterious Moments. You know, the city of Detroit over the last few, what, months, years? seems to have undergone a lot of problems. Uh, first, you know, the, the auto factories started shutting down and, and limiting what they did. And then the city itself just started having problem after problem. And there may be a reason for that. Something in Detroit, in Detroit history, is named the Nan Rouge. That's French for Red Dwarf. And it's also called the Demon of the Strait. It's a legendary creature of the Detroit, Michigan area whose appearance is said to presage misfortune. Its origins in the early French settlement of Detroit are proposed as deriving from Norman French tales of the Luton, a type of hobgoblin along with Native American legends of an impish offspring of the stone god. According to various narratives surrounding the figure, Detroit's founder, Antoine de la Moth Cadillac, was told by a fortune teller to appease the Nan Rouge, but upon encountering the creature, he smacked it with his cane and shouted, Get out of my way, you red imp! As a consequence, a string of bad luck befell Cadillac. He was charged with abuse of power and reassigned to Louisiana, later returning to France, where he was briefly imprisoned and eventually lost his fortune. The Nan Rouge legend has become part of contemporary Detroit culture. Each spring, the city hosts a community festival and costume parade called the Marsh Du Nan Rouge. Marie Caroline Watson Hamlin's 1883 Legends of Le Detroit described the Nan Rouge as a dwarf, very red in the face with a bright glistening eye. Instead of burning, it froze. Instead of possessing depth, emitted a cold gleam like the reflection from a polished surface, bewildering and dazzling all who came within its focus. And with a grinning mouth displaying sharp, pointed teeth, completing 
this strange face. Other accounts describe the Nan Rouge as a small creature with red or black fur covering an animal's body, but with the face of an old man with blazing red eyes and rotten teeth. Charming. According to some scholars, the legend of Nan Rouge has its origins in local Native American beliefs of spirit creatures that inhabited the region, which were subsequently retold by European colonists. According to Wellesley College Assistant Professor Kate Grandjean, my personal feeling is it's really not quite as simple as just European colonists appropriating some Native American spirit, Grandjean said. I think, and it seems to be demonstrable in the historical record, that the Nan Rouge that we know in Detroit today probably has both French and Native traditions sort of wrapped up in it. Well, that's what we've been saying, ma'am. There are no records that indicate the legend of the Nan Rouge existed in the 18th century when Antoine de la Moth Cadillac was in authority in Detroit. The earliest record, Hamlin's Legends of Le Detroit, wasn't published until 1883, 180 years after Cadillac was said to have been cursed by the Nan Rouge. Legend holds that Nan Rouge's appearance would presage terrible events for the city. The creature is said to have appeared on July 30, 1763, before the Battle of Bloody Run, where 58 British soldiers were killed by Native Americans from Chief Pontiac's Ottawa tribe. Supposedly, the Nan Rouge danced among the corpses on the banks of the Detroit River after the battle, and the river turned red with blood for days after. According to the tale, all the misfortunes of Governor and General William Hull, leading to the surrender of Detroit in the War of 1812, are blamed on the Nan Rouge. The Nan Rouge legend has become an enduring part of the folklore of the Detroit area. Two utility workers claim to have seen the creature just before the 1967 Detroit riots. And supposedly, it was also seen before an ice storm in 1976. Detroit Beer Company, a brew pub in downtown Detroit, has as its signature brew a Detroit Dwarf Lager, named in honor of the Nan Rouge. In 2015, Woodbury Wine, a distributor and wholesaler of Fine Wines and Kindred Vines Import Company, an importer of French and Italian wines, both based out of the metro Detroit area, introduced Nan Rouge Red, a French red wine blend named after the Nan Rouge Dwarf. I guess that's a good use of the name. Each spring, Detroit holds a costumed community parade called the Marche du Nan Rouge, in which the creature is traditionally chased out of the city, although the revival parade stays entirely within the Midtown Cass Corridor neighborhood. At the conclusion of the parade, an effigy of the Nan Rouge is destroyed, thus banishing the evil spirit from the city for another year. According to tradition, parade participants and spectators are encouraged to wear different costumes each year so that when the Nan Rouge next returns, 
he will not recognize the persons who ousted him from the city limits and thus will not be able to seek personal vengeance. The 2011 event featured a parade followed by the banishment and a party in Cass Park, drawing hundreds of guests. At the parade, organizations calling themselves the Friends of the Nan Rouge and We Are Nan Rouge have lightheartedly protested the banishment parade, arguing that the Nan Rouge is not to blame for the city's ills and that considering Detroit's population loss, no one should be banished from the city, particularly those who have been there the longest. That's all in good fun though. Both groups also work toward making the event a celebration of Detroit's folkloric ancient guardian. The banishment parade has also taken place in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. The recent parades have drawn an estimated 5,000 revelers each year. It's springtime in Detroit, a city that has once again fallen, as has happened so many times throughout its history. After decades of decay, a new generation has begun to repopulate the city's core, bringing with them strange new traditions. As they did the previous year, they gather in the city's historic Cass Corridor, clad in red and black disguises, with masks, capes, wigs, and tricorn hats. They arrive at the foot of the Masonic Temple, a towering monolith that is one of the few buildings left intact in the lower corridor. At the front of the procession is a devilish figure, the size of a grown man with pointed ears and fangs and teeth, red skin and dressed in tattered black leather, riding atop a chariot fashioned to resemble a giant cockroach. The figure dismounts his chariot and ascends a stairway to the front of the Masonic Temple. A fire dancer twirls at the foot of a large banner depicting an apocalyptic mushroom cloud. Above it is the message, Two Detroits is not enough. And below, Detroit versus Detroit versus Detroit. The red creature waves his claws, gazing out at the crowd that is assembled before him. I am the legendary Nan Rouge of Detroit, the harbinger of doom, he bellows. The living embodiment of everything that holds Detroit back the Red Prince of Persecution, Cadillac's Folly, the Annihilator of Hope. The attitude of the crowd suddenly changes. The air of merriment giving away to boos and jeering. The noise begins to drown out the name's speech. But before he is completely overwhelmed, he makes a promise. I am going to tear this city apart. Meanwhile, unnoticed by most of the revelers, a man in a trench coat, has been shouting back at the Nan. He's surrounded by several others, all holding hand-painted signs. Stop Nan's shame. Be nice to Nan. Don't dread the red. As the Nan gets louder, the man in the trench coat and his supporters get louder too. This is a false Nan. The real Nan is nice. Your mask cannot cover your lies. This showdown has been hundreds of years in the making. The legend of the Nan Rouge is said to go back to 1701, when Antoine de la Moth Cadillac founded Detroit. 
I told this before, the shortened and often repeated version of the tale states that Cadillac was attacked by the feared Red Dwarf, who then cursed Cadillac in the city. Maybe yes, maybe no. The folktale is persisted on the periphery of Detroit's culture, with the Nan said to appear before disaster strikes. As mentioned before, according to legend, the Nan appeared right before 1763's Battle of Bloody Run, where the British soldiers were killed in a thwarted attack against Chief Pontiac. The Nan was also said to have appeared before the infamous 1805 fire, which nearly destroyed the entire city. Some say the dwarf could be seen before the 12th Street Riot in 1967, and as recently as 1976, it was reported that two DTE workers spotted what they thought was a child climbing a utility pole before a particularly brutal snowstorm crippled the city, possibly the most recent Nan sighting. But it wasn't until the March du Nan Rouge parade began in 2010 that the Red Dwarf became more of a household name. Last year, Caliber Comics published Nan Rouge, The Red Legend, a graphic novel depiction of the tale. Back in my day, we called them comic books. This year, Woodbury Wine, again, is distributing the Nan Rouge Red Wine in Michigan, just in time for the marsh. Just what a marsh needs, alcoholic agitation. The organizers of the parade would have you believe that the marsh has been an uninterrupted Detroit tradition. Supposedly, for 300 years on the Sunday after the vernal equinox, Detroiters have celebrated liberation from the Nan Rouge, the fiendish embodiment of all that holds us back, the events website says. In reality, the origins of the marsh are well documented. Starting as a beer-fueled idea between then Wayne State University Law School students, Francis Grunau and Joseph Uhl. We were talking about how a place like New Orleans and Detroit have a lot of similarity, especially around their French heritage and founding, and how New Orleans has Mardi Gras and Detroit really doesn't have anything, Grunau told the Metro Times in 2014. But Grunau says he saw other possibilities for Detroit in the way Mardi Gras took a symbolic meaning in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina struck in 2005. Mardi Gras was a big way for New Orleans to show it was healing and getting healthy again. It was a tradition that was really cathartic. Grunau and Uhl envisioned a new Mardi Gras type of event for Detroit, which would feature a parade of people dressed in disguises, so as not to be recognized by the Nan, of course driving out the Red Dwarf and ushering in a new season of change. To their surprise, hundreds of people showed up in the first year, with the event culminating in burning an effigy of the Nan. The next year, even more people showed up. In 2015, it was reported some 5,000 people attended the parade. Tracking down the man in the trench coat is easy. He's John E.L. Tenney, who is known around town as a self-described anomalistic researcher. In the 1990s, Tenney worked as a researcher for the popular documentary show Unsolved Mysteries, 
contributing to episodes about paranormal phenomena. The trench coat, he tells us, is his homage to the show's ominous host, Robert Stack. Today, Tenney travels around the world giving his weird lectures on everything from Bigfoot to UFOs to conspiracy theories. My man. At the parade, Tenney might come off as an affable, ironic, pronoun prankster. At first, it can be hard to tell if he's serious or joking. As a lecturer, I understand that confronting people and being harsh turns people away, he says. People are more willing to listen if you're having fun with it. He says that when he first started protesting the marsh, he was a lone interloper. But last year, he amassed a group of about 15 protesters. This has to be gotten out of the way. Does Tenney actually believe in the existence of the Nan Rouge as a paranormal being? He pauses and says, that's an interesting question. If it exists in your mind or your imagination, it exists as much as anything else does. Now he describes the Nan as a nature spirit or an understanding of nature, for lack of a better word. Metaphysics aside, Tenney accuses the March of getting some basic facts about the Nan Rouge wrong. He shares with us the earliest recorded version of the tale, chronicled in Legends of Le Detroit by Marie Carolyn Watson Hamlin. As a researcher, Tenney says he's driven by what he sees as the death of storytelling in the internet age, which has seen accuracy and nuance replaced by sound bites, three-minute YouTube clips, and memes. I think as we've seen with the way the internet has developed, people are losing their ability for storytelling. When storytelling is, is historically how we've always passed information down to each other. The full tale scanned from the original book is available for download on Tenney's website, nanrouge.weirdlectures.com. I've had those sample pages about the Nan on my website for seven years, he says. Anyone can look at them, but nobody wants to read it. It's too many words. There are no records indicating the legend of the Nan Rouge actually goes back to the time of Cadillac. Hamlin's Legends of Le Detroit, as we've said, wasn't published until 1883, some 180 years after Cadillac's run-in is alleged to have occurred. Hamlin had her own motives for publishing the story. A proud descendant of the city's early French settlers, by her time, Detroit was an American city its French-speaking inhabitants almost entirely replaced by English. Much like Grunau, Hamlin was using the legend of the Nan to reaffirm her city's identity and preserve its French heritage. Originally brought from their cradle in Normandy, they are still tenderly cherished in the homes of the old families of Norman descent settled along Le Detroit. She writes of the tales she collected in the book's preface, it has been my good fortune to hear many of them from loving, though aged lips of ancestors whose memories extend back into the last century. The tradition still lingers among the old inhabitants that should misfortune ever threaten the Bonnie City of the Straits, the Nan Rouge will again appear to give the signal of warning. In French folklore, there are traditions of small beings called lutins. 
Europe is rich with tales of sprites, hobgoblins, elves, leprechauns, and countless other small and occasionally rascally supernatural beings. The French brought the idea of Lutons with them to the New World. According to an 1892 issue of the Journal of American Folklore, in the French-speaking parishes in the province of Quebec, the Lutons are considered as mischievous, fun-loving little spirits, which may be protecting or annoying household gods or demons, according to the treatment that they receive from the inmates of the house where they have chosen to dwell. The page also says that Lutons have the ability to shapeshift and can take the form of a domestic pet. Lutons in the French-Canadian tradition are especially associated with black cats. Black cats have always been a rather suspicious reputation as associates of sorceresses and witches, but it is singular that among our peasants they are regarded as protecting goblins and that no one would think of parting with them, chasing them away, or ill-treating them in any manner, according to the journal. But a uniquely Detroit aspect of Hamlin's tale is the man's proximity to the native tribes. Not just a protector of the peasant class, in Hamlin's tale the red dwarf seems to be on the side of people who have been described as red-skinned. Could the legend of the man actually have Native American origins? Tinney thinks so. He points out that Many Algonquin tribes have folkloric traditions of figures that resemble the Nan. A popular folkloric figure is Nanabozo, also known as Nanabush, a benevolent trickster hero who could shapeshift into any form, but was often associated with rabbits and referred to as the Great Hare. A pictograph found painted in Bon Echo Provincial Park in Ontario depicts Nanabozo as a red rabbit-like figure. For the woodsmen of New France, maintaining a friendly relationship with local tribes was essential for the fur trade, and early French settlers made great efforts to integrate. The French definitely developed relationships with the Indians that were much more cooperative than the English. It's not outlandish or crazy to think that, that the traditions of different people would have some, somehow come down through time in a blended way. At the Café du Marquis, Tenney says he's been struggling to get the story of the Nan Rouge right for years. In the late 90s, WDIV consulted him for a special on Michigan folk tales. That's when he told them about the little-known legend. WDIV's final segment appeared in 1999, but when Tenney saw the final version, he was mortified. It was maybe a 45-second piece in an hour-long special, but they dressed someone up in a cloak and put huge red glowing eyes on it. Instead of talking about it being a herald or a harbinger of things to come, he was causing these things to come. Tenney was so disappointed in the segment that he demanded his name be removed from the final product. That's perhaps why the recent revival of the Nantale hits a sore spot for him. He's also put off by the overwhelmingly negative tone of the march. Tenney says people have pushed him, ripping the signs and flyers out of his hands, reasoning that if he is pro-Nain, he must be anti-Detroit. Tenney chalks it up as a byproduct of alcohol and misinformation. But it's not just adults who 
he sees whipped up into anti-Nan Fuhrer. People are bringing their kids to it. I saw a lot more children last year than I saw before. It's a family fun event, except it has this underlying message of hatred. Tenney says he saw a child screaming viscerally at the front steps of the Masonic Temple at the parade's version of the Nan. This eight-year-old was yelling, Get out of here! I hate you! He says, I was like, this is kind of horrible. As far as Tenney can see, there's a simple solution. Recast the Nan as the good guy and appease him, just like the legend says. Instead of acting like Cadillac, Tenney thinks Detroiters should identify more with the Nan. The fact is, we have an ancient helper. You can tell people, let's be like this ancient helper. Let's watch out for each other. Let's make sure nothing bad happens to our city. When something bad is happening, we'll tell each other. All of a sudden, you give people hope. They're not blaming something. They're taking responsibility for the community. It has so many possibilities in that direction. He talks of the concept of the three deaths. The first death is when your body ceases to function. The second death is when your body decays back into the earth. The third death is the final death, which is sometime in the indeterminate future, the last time someone says our name out loud. So as storytellers, we keep each other alive. I feel badly when it comes to something like the Nan, which persists, but in a disfigured, horrible state. Does the Nan Rouge cause all the problems of Detroit? Or is it simply the humans that live there. Yeah, I think the humans are pretty much to blame. Uh, Detroit hasn't had a good reputation in a lot of years, and I can't blame anybody but the people, honestly. But that's not just Detroit. That's almost everywhere you go. Any city that has gotten a bad reputation has gotten it because of the way the people act. Maybe we ought to be like the, the Nan Rouge of this guy's opinion. Be friendly. Be nice. Care about each other. Take care of each other. And if something's wrong, say something. You know, that's what they're trying to get through now. If you see something bad, say something to someone. Well, I don't know about the Nan Rouge. I don't know if he's real or not. I like to think there's some basis in fact. But even if there's not, Detroit doesn't need another reason to hate. They need hope. They need help, as does any city. So don't blame the Nan. Take responsibility for your own actions. Take responsibility for your city's actions. And again, that's everybody. That's not just Detroit. Well, that's all there is for this week, folks. I thank you for listening one more time. And we'll be back again soon with more stories for you. More mysterious moments. And as always, this is Terry from Texas, your host. And here I go, signing off from Texas again. Have a good week, y'all.